Hello and welcome to the second official episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Reaney. Uh, if you're new here, welcome to the Man Cave. We've got a lot of good stuff for you. Also, follow us on Twitter at TheManCave17. Turn on those notifications, get the latest news when they come out. Uh, SoundCloud, if you're listening from iTunes, just follow us at The Man Cave um, if anything ever happens to iTunes. And then if you're listening on SoundCloud, but you got that Apple Mac or um, iPhone, you know, hit us up on iTunes just in the podcast category. Type in The Man Cave, hit subscribe. You'll find out whenever the latest episodes come out for us. Now, as I said, this is the second official episode, and the first podcast was my first podcast ever, if you want to wear. And, you know, not doing it before, there are obviously some things that I can do better. So one of the changes that I'm going to do is I'm going to ditch the skit altogether. Um, When I first made it, you know, I was proud of what I did. Um, I've never done a comedy bit before then. So I thought it was funny just because I made it, you know, you're always proud of the, um, the stuff you do, which is good. But after about two, three days of not listening to the podcast, going back to it, having fresh ears to critique myself, Um, I didn't really find it uh, that great at all, and I asked a lot of uh, close friends, uh, my brother, uh, they didn't really like it at all, they didn't think it was as funny as I originally thought, and you know, I agree with them, so I think I'm just going to take it out altogether. If I have a guest that sort of specializes in comedy skits, like I know some guys in my comm department uh, at school that are really, really good at funny skits, Um, so if I ever have them as a guest, you know, they're pretty knowledgeable in sports too. I'll have maybe a comedy bit there just to, you know, spice things up. I think I'm going to keep the podcast in the 30 to 40 minute range. Um, My original plan actually was to have it in about an hour, but I should have known that this was going to happen. But you talk faster when you're recording as of just practicing, you know, what you're going to say. I do practice what I'm going to say just so there's less awkward moments and, uh, uh, you know... Like, you know, that type of thing. So um, I was prepared. You know, I had a lot of information. But with a podcast, it's just straight talking. It's not like um, a morning show where you can bounce off ideas off everyone. A lot of times it's it might be me. Obviously, when there's a guest, well, I'll be bouncing stuff uh, through what he, she says also. In a lone episode of just me, you know, I need to prepare just a little bit more. And that's just a learning curve uh, with doing it for the first time. And after this episode, so when episode three comes out, it's going to be on Saturday mornings. I'm going to do that because football season, you know, is upon us. And most games are on Sunday. Um, I also know that the NCAAs are on Saturday. If you're like, well, what about the NCAA games? What I'm going to do is I'm going to record on Friday night after all the baseball games are done, uh, at least during baseball season. And then what I'm going to do is I'll record, and then on Saturday morning, I'll release that to you guys. Um, So then you guys can listen to it, you know, before um, a big football game. If I talk about um, NCAA games on Saturdays, I'll talk like who to watch, what to watch for, Um, some big games and I'll tell you like where those are so then you can hear but um, I noticed after I posted that first one I mentioned um, I'm going to start recording when all the baseball games are over not all of the baseball games were done on that day that I posted and recorded so my stats were a little a little off you know just a couple hours after I released it and you know that kind of irks me a little bit Um, just because, you know, I posted it around like midnight because I was so excited 
And, you know, people don't really start listening probably until at least 8 to 9 a.m. Um, so, you know, it was just off and with my OCD that just kind of bothers me. Um, the third episode is going to take a little bit longer to arrive, but I'll let you know about that towards the end just so that it's fresh in your mind. But just a little heads up. So I think now we're ready to get into our first topic. We're going to talk about the preseason hype around some of the rookies in the NFL. Is it real or is it not? We'll start off with Trubisky. In his first game versus the Broncos, week one of the preseason, held his own 18 for 25, 166 yards, one touchdown, had a QBR of 103.1. If you're not aware of what QBR is, it's a quarterback rating system out of 158.3, and generally speaking, anything over 100 is a pretty good game for any quarterback, especially an NFL rookie. And I know it's against second, third, last strings, but still, I mean, for a first game, 103 is not bad. He had 17 throws in the pocket, completed 12 of them, so relatively accurate. On the run, he was 5 for 5, extremely accurate while running on his feet. One of them was a touchdown uh, early in the game. He had two throws, though, that I think the receivers just blatantly dropped, um, not on purpose, but one of them was a diving catch in the end zone that could have been for a touchdown. The tight end just it went right through his hands, and then another one to Victor Cruz uh, just bounced right off of him. I do think he had two bad throws in this game, though, against the Broncos, one of them being the final play, so you can be the judge of that. They were on their 20-25 yard line. Uh, you've got eight DBs in the backfield guarding your receivers. It's pretty hard generally to make a good throw and completion out of that he was pressured eight times in the pocket wasn't sacked at all so you got to really give credit to his awareness also he was four for eight and then on the final drive I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that now if you look the longest throw he had on that final drive was 15 yards and that might not seem like a lot but on that play it was one of the first plays on that final drive he checked all of his receivers and then his last choice, the running back, he tossed it over to him, which the running back was a couple yards in front of the line of scrimmage and then 12 yards after the catch. Now, great awareness checking all of his receivers. Great for a rookie quarterback in the two-minute drill. But the next longest pass was 13 yards. And to me, I'm not very satisfied about that. I mean, I'm glad that he was conservative kept the ball in possession during the last minute 48 on that final drive but when you're on your own 25 you're down by seven you need a touchdown I kind of want to see some aggression I want to see some long passes because if you're trying to win the starting position I mean you got to prove you're a winner he didn't win many games at North Carolina their football team wasn't that great so he sort of has a lot to prove he has the mechanics he looks great he just has to prove you know that hey I want to win these games and let's face it the Bears are probably not going to win a lot of games this season. So really you want to show that, hey, I'm willing to take that risk and I will win us games. But going into week two, Trubisky didn't play much. It was more about Mike Glennon. Trubisky was 6 for 8, 60 yards, one touchdown. Had a QB rating of 135.4 though, so that's good. You like to see the progression of the quarterback rating. He had six throws in the pocket, completed five of them, a lot more accurate. And then on the run, he was 2 for 3. So great job for him. He was pressured twice in the pocket, sacked once, so not terrible. I do think he had one bad throw, though, uh, almost an interception, just bounced off the corner that was guarding his receiver, and then the corner just dropped it. So lucky break for Mitchell Jabuski. And in this second game, 
I don't really think he looked as accurate. He looked very confident, which is good and what you want out of a rookie. But there were a couple of those completions that were just behind his receivers. Um, or there was one specifically where the receiver just stopped in the middle of a slant route. And a slant route, since it's so close to the line of scrimmage, you need a lot of momentum to get through uh, the linebackers. But he still looked good as his QBR shows. And there, if you're not aware, there are two more games before our next podcast airs. The 27th versus the Titans and the 31st versus the Cleveland Browns. And I'm really interested to see how they divide the time between Trubisky and Glennon. Since those games are so close together, if I were the Bears, what I'd do is I'd start Trubisky against the Titans, give him an average defense in the NFL, see how he does against those first teams, and then have Mike Glennon uh, play against everyone else. And then on the Browns, have Glennon start. Uh, give him some more first-team reps just in case you want to play it safe um, and start him week one of the regular season. And then give Trubisky more reps to kind of groom him in more into the NFL. I think that's what should happen, but I'm not the Chicago Bears GM. I'm not the head coach. I don't get inside looks every day for the Bears. But moving on, we'll go to Miles Garrett, the first pick for the Cleveland Browns. And I think we can all agree that this guy is an absolute stud and everything that the Cleveland Browns need to take that next step, you know, to rebuilding, jumping up in their division. But ever since he's been drafted, you've only heard great things about him, whether that's his attitude during training camp, being an extremely humble guy and having a work ethic that nobody's ever seen before. And that's really what you want out of your first round pick, especially a number one pick, a highly touted number one pick, mind you. And although we've had a couple games in the preseason, and yes, I know it's the preseason, uh, stats could be a little bit deceiving if you're just looking at the box score. Because, you know, I don't blame you if you don't want to watch a Cleveland Browns game. But let me tell you, in that game versus New Orleans, he looked terrific. He had 15 unofficial snaps in that game, and this was all in the first quarter. So, mind you, he's playing against first-team reps. The only guy that wasn't on the first team for the opposing offense for the Saints was the quarterback because the Saints don't play Drew Brees in the preseason, which I don't blame him. That's a conversation for another day, though. He was incredibly quick off the line, beating linemen several times. He had one QB hit, so you know he was putting pressure on the quarterback and that offensive line the entire time he was there. And he also had a tackle for loss, so there you know he's breaking out, able to get a tackle in the backfield. That's really what you want out of a rookie lineman. And then in the second game versus the Giants, that was back on the 21st, he had his first recorded sack as a Brown. Great for him. He had about the same 15 snaps, played against a first-string quarterback, which is great, and he penetrated through the line well. One of the things I saw, though, is he lined up on both the outside and the inside, and that made me wonder, if the Cleveland Browns going to put him at nose tackles sometime during the season when an opposing team has a weaker center or uh, left and right guards to see how he could take away the run game or put in pressure to make a QB roll out of the pocket. I think the sky is his ceiling um, in terms of his potential of what he could be. But again, it's in the preseason. It's very early. We'll revisit it, though, uh, when it comes time to the middle of this season. But right now, we're going to introduce a new poll and also review our last poll of the week. Now, if you don't remember our last poll of the week, it was how much longer will Tom Brady play in the NFL? Now, 11% of you said this is the final season, and I'm right with the other 89%. 
that says, this isn't it. Tom Brady's too good. He's not old enough yet. But 23% of you went the route of when Bill Belichick retires. Now, I thought that's interesting because at first I put that answer in kind of as a joke. Um, but the more I thought about it over the week, I was like, wow, this could really be a thing because we are talking about Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. 31% said three or more seasons. I personally thought this was a little bit of a stretch. I mean, three or more seasons, that's a long time. And then 35%, the majority says two or more seasons. That's where I was thinking. That's where I was hoping, I guess you could say, uh, most people would go. But you guys really did surprise me with that 23% of when Bill Pelichek retires. And then that 31% on three or more seasons is also surprising. You guys think he can go forever, but he is the greatest quarterback of all time. And before I introduce this new poll, make sure to follow us on Twitter at TheManCave17. Make sure to follow us and then turn on those notifications so then you know when new polls come out, episodes, um, anything I retweet um, pertaining to sports. And make sure you guys are retweeting and liking these tweets because the more interactions we get, uh, even if you don't retweet it, if you like our poll, it might show up on your followers timeline and they might vote and they might like it, etc, etc. So let's go into this new poll. What level of football do you prefer watching? You got either the NCAA or the NFL. Now, me personally, I enjoy the NFL. Um, not to bag on the NCAA. If you ask my family, they know I love going to college football games. But I have a lot of friends that really hate the NFL and really love the NCAA and vice versa. And I just want to know what you guys think. Make sure to retweet it, like it, uh, so then your followers vote on it too. And I think now we're able to go into our next topic. The World University Games are going on right now in Taipei. Ceremony started the 19th. Purdue University has several athletes in this event. One of those groups is the men's basketball program. The men's basketball team for Purdue is representing the USA. And right now they've done well so far. They faced Argentina on the 20th. They won 89-76. Carson Edwards led the way 17 points, 5 steals. Dakota Mathias had 16 points, was 4 for 7 from 3. And then the next day they faced the United Arab Emirates. And after a 35-14 lead in the first quarter, they won with dominant fashion, 127-53. They out-rebounded UAE 57-18, completely crazy. And eight players had 10 or more points for the Purdue Boilermakers. Ryan Klein had 20 points. He was 4-6 for six from three, so just shooting lights out, the Boilermakers did. And then right now, as you're listening to this podcast, they should have faced off and beaten or played against the Chess Republic. I guess no game is guaranteed as a win. For me, for now, as I'm recording, the game is just now tipping off. We will uh, talk about that game and the other games that they've played um, in their pool play and possibly the tournament on the next podcast. They face Romania on the 24th and then Estonia on the 25th. For women swimming, they have one swimmer, Kirsten Meitz. She swim in the 800 free on the 23rd at 9 p.m. and then the 400 free on the 25th also at 9 p.m. Those are eastern time zone times, so if you're outside of this area in the Midwest, then figure out what it is for you if you'd like to watch that. 
And then finally, Purdue has one male diver and one female diver representing their countries. Emily Maney is diving for Australia. She scored silver in the 10-meter synchro, so great job for her. And currently, she's competing for a medal in platform, which is 10 meters if you don't know that. She qualified for finals, so she's looking to get another medal. And then Joey Cefeli got 18th and 1 meter earlier this week. Didn't qualify for finals, but still a pretty good outing. Uh, for him as a young man and we will continue to give you updates um, as the Boilermakers continue their way through the World University Games next podcast so it'll probably be over and I'll tell you the results of that but moving on we can go into our third topic the MLB playoff races and since it is the end of the regular season for the MLB we're going to talk about the electrifying races right now especially this AL wildcard second spot I am obsessed because this is a five-team race between the Twins, the Angels, the Kansas City Royals, the Seattle Mariners, and the Texas Rangers. And all those teams decided by two and a half games. So it's really anybody's game for the end of the regular season. Each team will determine its destiny. The Los Angeles Angels, though, gone four and two since we last talked about them. Their next couple series, Houston, Oakland A's, and the Texas Rangers. Now, to me, this is one of the hardest uh, next couple series of all the AL teams. So hopefully, you know, Los Angeles can maybe sneak two games past Houston. I think they're going to do well against the Oakland A's. And then the Rangers, since they're also trying to get that second spot, uh, hopefully the Angels can get two games out of that. Now, the Kansas City Royals haven't done as well, but they're still at 500 at 3-3 three and three since we last talked about them. Their next couple series, Cleveland Indians, Tampa Bay Rays, and the Minnesota Twins. Now, to me, this is incredibly tough. All three of these teams are at or above 500. Cleveland, you know, I don't see them winning two games against them. Tampa Bay is the only team that I think that they could sweep. And then Minnesota, they've just been incredibly hot as of late. Speaking of them being hot, they've been 6-2 and two in the last couple games since we've talked about them. And in the next couple series, they got the easiest one, I think, out of all the AL teams. Toronto, the White Sox, and Kansas City. It's a good time to be a Minnesota fan, and I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs. And then the Seattle Mariners, they haven't done so hot either. 3-3, three and three, uh, solidifying themselves. They're two games back from that second spot. And the next couple series, they got the Yankees, the Orioles, and the A's. So nothing too terrible, but the Yankees, you know, they're going to have to squeak two games by them. And they're going to have to sweep both the Orioles and the A's to kind of stay in contention because... With those teams, they could either fall off, lose all those games, or they could win them all. And then the Texas Rangers, we didn't even talk about them last time, but they have really thrown themselves into the mix for that second wild card spot. In the last nine games, they're 6-3, and three, so really propelled themselves. And look for them, you know, maybe to win a couple more series. I think they're going to squeak by week by week. Um, and kind of slide up. I don't think they're going to get that second wild card spot, but it makes everything exciting now that there's five teams. And now we're ready to move into the NL Central. Now remember, the team that wins this division is the only team that's going to make it into the playoff. Nobody is going to make the wild card spot. And the Cubs right now lead two and a half games over the Brewers, four and a half games over the Cardinals. And in my mind, the Pirates are out of contention. They're eight games back. But the Cubs, since we last talked about them, they have been on fire. If you're a Cubs fan, you're rejoicing. They've been 5-1, and one, knock on wood. Uh, hopefully they do well because their next couple series looks pretty easy to me. The Philadelphia Phillies, 
the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Atlanta Braves. They also have to finish off their series against the Reds, but I don't really worry about the Cubs right now as a Cubs fan because the next 12-10 games, I could see them winning 8-10 to 10 of them. Honestly, I, don't, I think the Cubs will determine their own destiny in this run. This will really be the run um, that says whether they'll make the playoffs or whether this will still be a contest. The Milwaukee Brewers, since they've been not too bad, not as good as the Cubs, though, 4-2. and two. But the next couple series, they got the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Nationals. Dodgers, three games. Cardinals, two games. Nationals, four. So, really, they got to win both games against the Cardinals, and then they got to either win two games against the Dodgers or the Nationals in order to stay with the Cubs. The Cubs, hot, as I mentioned, they have an easier schedule. The Cubs, though, I think are going to prevail on this one. And then the St. Louis Cardinals, not too great since we last talked about them. They're 2-4. and four. Their next couple series, Tampa Bay, the Milwaukee Brewers, and then the San Francisco Giants. These last couple series could be the redemption card for the St. Louis Cardinals. But, I mean, don't get your hopes up, people. Now, how could we talk about the National League without talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers? If you didn't know, Curtis Granderson has been traded from the Mets to the Los Angeles Dodgers for pitching prospect Jacob Rom. And this is great for the Dodgers. I mean, this veteran is hitting 230, 19 home runs this season, and he's won championships before. So you put him in center field with Puig, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger. I mean, this is a pretty dominant outfield that was already pretty good. And if you're wondering about Jock Peterson, he's been sent to the minors, struggling with his batting, but they're not worried about it right now. They're 89-35 and 35 this season, best in baseball by far. So why would someone want to make this team even better? Well, the Mets, not a playoff contender at all. Um, they're really working on that rebuild, and Jacob Rahm is a great start to get a relief pitching prospect. But... The Dodgers, they really, really want to win now, so they're all right with sending that prospect away. And it's almost like having David Ross with the Cubs last year. He's not going to play every day, but he's a highly touted veteran. He's won championships before. He'll deliver in the clutch playoffs, and he's going to help these young outfielders grow, Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, into bigger superstars than really what they already are. Now, moving more into the playoffs, the only reason I see them losing in the playoffs is if their starting pitching starts to struggle. Their offense is solid. It's going to continue that way. But Hugh Darvish, in his third start with the team, was kind of down from his first two starts. His first two starts being really good, though. Hugh Darvish is now on the 10-day DL with a sore back. But the L.A. Dodgers say, do not worry. This is all precautionary. If you remember, he's had several injuries in the last couple years. They just want him ready to go for the playoffs. And also, they want Clayton Kershaw back. And I mean, they're not worried about their record at this point. They've already solidified a spot in the playoffs. You know, they could still get that single season win record. And you got to think, is it going to be like the 2016 Warriors where, you know, they got the single season win record, but they didn't win the championship. But we'll talk more about that when the playoffs come and happen. For this first part on the You Deserve It segment, I first want to go out and say that I usually don't care at all for politics and rarely talk about it. Um, those of you that know me on a personal level, you know that this is true, that I just prefer sports over anything else really um, but whether you do or don't follow politics it's very hard to avoid what has happened in America the tragedies that happened in Charlottesville um, Baton Rouge um, the Ferguson case just to name a few instances where people think that it's okay to be prejudiced against other races and to me that's scary um, 
and I'm sure to all of you, it's also scary to just think about that, but it's sort of trickled down into the NFL. You could see with starting with Colin Kaepernick last year, protesting the national anthem, and he's sort of become this icon for many, many NFL players. And I want to give a huge shout out to Derek Carr. Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, in the Oakland Raiders last preseason game during the national anthem, uh, Khalil Mack, the linebacker for the uh, Oakland Raiders, was kind of doing a protest, you know, um, as many other players do. But Derek Carr put his arm around him and not in a form of protest, but a form of unity, like, hey, dude, I'm here for you. And we've seen this recently also with Chris Long um, of the Philadelphia Eagles shortly after Michael Bennett said, we need white NFL players to go along with this protest. And I just want to pull and show you guys this soundbite um, that I found on ESPN of Derek Carr in a post-game interview explaining, you know, why he did that, what it's for. Um, so just give this a quick listen. Yeah, we wanted to, obviously, we're, we're not protesting, you know, we're not doing anything like that. What we wanted to do is show all the kids that look up to me, look up to him, that white kids, black kids, brown kids, blue, green, doesn't matter, can all be loving to each other. And that's what me and Khalil are, is we're, we're best friends and we love one another. So all, the only reason we did that is to unify people and to unify the people that look up to us because obviously we see what's going on in the world and obviously everyone pays attention to the national anthem nowadays. Uh, and so we just said, well, obviously this is the best time to do it while still honoring our country, because I love this country more than anything. This is, we're free, uh, you know, to live here and play this game, and uh, you know, but we're also free to show each other that we love one another. And I think that that's the message, and that's the only message we were trying to get out. So continuing our You Deserve It segment, Real Madrid opened up the La Liga campaign with a 3-0 victory versus Deportivo. If you follow soccer at all, you may know that Cristiano Ronaldo is starting his five-game suspension. That was the first of those games. But Real Madrid seemed to play really well without him. Their second goal came from a 44-pass move, including 11 different players, and it lasted 107 seconds. If you can't call that teamwork and patience, I truly do not know what it is. But I do know that teamwork happened over the weekend for U.S. women's golf. They won their second straight Solheima Cup. The American rookies played a big factor. Kang, Yin, and Austin Ernst, hopefully I pronounced those last names right, when a combined 6-3-1. and one. To compare it to Europe's rookies, Europe went 3-10. and 10. So a huge factor the American rookies played there. But another huge factor, Kirstie Kerr. For the U.S., she became the all-time U.S. Solheimer Cup points leader with 21 points after a big win on Sunday. All right, now before we recap the show, we will touch on this big news that happened last night. Kyrie Irving has been traded to the Boston Celtics. If you aren't aware, Kyrie Irving, uh, the point guard for, or I should say the old point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers, said he wanted a bigger role and he didn't really want to play with LeBron anymore, so he's been traded to the Boston Celtics. The Cleveland Cavaliers, in return, though, got Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Ante Zizek, and the 2018 first-round unprotected pick from the Brooklyn Nets. Now, this is a huge, monumental deal. I personally do not have time to talk about it on this podcast. We're out of time, but I will talk about it on the next podcast, I promise. We'll dedicate a ton of time into breaking this down, how it affects the league, etc., etc., not only for next year, but years and years after. 
just to give you a quick recap of what we talked about today on the Man Cave, the NFL rookies, what they've done so far, and if they've lived up to the hype, some Purdue athletes are representing Purdue University at the World University Games. We gave a couple updates on those. And then also a big update on the MLB races you should be watching. Next podcast is scheduled to go out September 2nd. I know it's over a week away, but I'm going to be working the FINA World Junior Championships the rest of this week and this weekend. That's going to be my 100% focus, and hence that's why this is out on a Wednesday because Wednesday is when the FINA World Junior Championships start. But I'll let you know on Twitter if I need to send one out early or release it a little bit later than I just said. I'll plug that on Twitter. You can follow us, turn on those notifications at the Man Cave 17. Also follow us on SoundCloud at the Man Cave. And then on iTunes, make sure you subscribe to us. Just type in the Man Cave and look for our little cover art logo of the guy laying down in the recliner. Special thanks to Purple Planet Music on SoundCloud for the music I've been using. Bitmoji for making my cover art look half decent. ESPN for the sound and also some great info. Josh, my brother, for the mic setup. And thank you for listening to the Man Cave. I'll see you next episode.